herding assets from stocks and bonds to the housing and many currencies. So when Fed Chair Jerome Powell tells you he wants to reduce inflation by raising rates, a.k.a. tightening, he's telling you the central bank needs investors to lose money. The goal is for those losses to seep into the rest of the economy when capital investments and consumption decline, slowing growth, demand, and ultimately inflation. That's not inaccurate. It's got a much more malicious, intense spin to it. But that is, in fact, what we've been preaching on the show. The whole point of tightening monetary policy is that these things happen. The funny thing is, is the Fed doesn't come out on day one and say, hey, we're going to start monetary policy change here. We're going to go from quantitative easing to quantitative tightening. Yeah, We're going to start this tightening policy, which is increasing interest rates, pulling all this liquidity out of the market. And hey, America, expect your home values to go down a little bit. Hey, uh, expect unemployment to go up a little bit. Right. I'm really aiming for you to lose your job. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Higher Standard Podcast, where we give you ultra-premium, unfiltered truth when it comes to building your wealth and curating the lifestyle of your dreams. No games, no drama, and no shenanigans. I am your host, Chris Nahibi, and I'm here to help you distill the immense amount of information and disinformation out there on the interwebs and give you the opportunity to choose a higher standard for yourself. There are no gurus here, and no one gives a damn about how wealthy you look. I'm an attorney and a banker, amongst other things. Does that mean you should listen to me? Hell no. This is just full disclosure that while we talk about money, wealth, law, investing, and a lot of related topics, you should always speak to your own advisors for an opinion tailored to your unique investment perspective. I am obligated to tell you that nothing contained in this show is in fact legal or investment advice and is being provided solely for entertainment purposes. So sit back, relax your mind, and get ready for a different kind of podcast where we elevate your baseline in crispy, high-resolution audio. This isn't a different standard. It's the higher standard. I'm feeling very awkward right now, everybody, because Saeed pushed the record button and I didn't. Well, uh, that's the first time. It is the first time. It's very awkward. Yeah, I'm going to try to take over the control panel one button at a time. Wow. Welcome to the higher standard. I am one of two hosts. I am the Sasha Baron Cohen of real estate, a.k.a. the Jeff Goldblum of podcasting. Site is rolling his eyes. Site Omar over there is the Barry White of podcasting, a.k.a. Mr. Uchi Wally Wally. Mr. Uchi Bang Bang. Hey, everybody. I'm pausing for emphasis. Yeah, It doesn't get any less awkward for me. <laughs> Every time we say hey, everybody afterward, I feel like we just passed over. Some weird cheeky shenanigans. Speaking of which, but before you get into that, what if you like this podcast? Please oh. go ahead and subscribe. Yeah, look at Saeed doing what we're supposed to be doing. Yeah, like, subscribe, send to your friends, tell everybody that we're amazing. And if you don't like this podcast, give us a five star quote honest review anyway. Yeah, because sometimes you need to spread love to get love. Right there, you go. So today is a big day uh, for those of you who follow my social media. I may have overstated the importance of it, but you know, far be it for me to exaggerate. I said, hold on tight, everyone. The Fed called an emergency meeting for Monday with matters to be considered. The official matters to be considered were review and determination by the Board of Governors of the advance and discount rates to be charged by the Federal Reserve banks. Mm. Core inflation obviously was not a good print. It went up, not down, as we covered in the previous episode. So this was a different meeting. Mm-hmm. Now, the truth be told, it's not technically an emergency meeting. Okay. So I, I did some digging. Closed door Fed meetings like today's. They do happen all the time. Uh, There have been about 15 meetings over the last year that weren't part of the Fed's official eight FOMC huddles. So so not true, like, emergency the way they're trying to portray it out to be. But, I mean, they were talking about some pretty important stuff because PCE is going the wrong way. CPI is going the wrong way. uh, Employment seems to be going uh, the wrong way at this point in time. Yeah, exactly. I I should point out that a lot of these things rely on lacking indicators. And, again, the the economy is, is... not exactly a science. It's more art in some ways. Right. Hence the reason why everybody's got opinions about like what you're doing. I'd be interested to see if they start changing their tone and start actually acknowledging how much of a lagging indicator these are. I mean, they come on, they kind of already started to change their tone, right? I mean, soft landing, then it was a hard landing. Now it's like, fuck it, we're in a recession. It's not, the rhetoric has clearly changed a little bit. But right. There's a couple of different interesting articles on this stuff that I thought were were somewhat valuable, but I think um, I think the best pivot from here is to say that the Fed has a lot to think about. And because these indicators are going the wrong way, a meeting like this is a good gut check ahead of the next official announcement coming up. Mm-hmm. 
But there is something called uh, Black Monday. Have you ever heard about it? No. Really? 1987? October 19th, 1987? No. So Okay, good. So I had this prepped. And I'm glad because we didn't actually talk about this. Okay. There was a stock market crash in 1987. It was referred to as Black Monday. On this day, stock markets around the world crashed, though the event didn't happen all at once. Black Monday saw the biggest one-day percent drop in U.S. stock market history. The Dow Jones Industrial Average dropped by slightly more than 22%. The S&P 500 index suffered a similar decline of 20.4%. Mm-hmm. And to give you some perspective on the severity of Black Monday, the worst one-day drop in Dow Jones Industrial Average history during the stock market crash 2019 was just over 12%, so almost double. Yeah. Right? So you, you can imagine this is, this is pretty impactful. Now, I want to read why it's directly why it happened from somebody else's words, because I think we're walking into October 19th, right. and some of these things sound oddly familiar. Okay. Ready? Some imminent warning signs for investors were evident in the trading days just prior to what would turn out to be Black Monday. On October 14th, the Dow experienced a major decline of nearly 4%. It dropped another 2.5% the following day. Mm. We've seen a lot of significant drops in the Dow lately. And while we have seen some rallies up in, in recent days, like today, I think it was, we've seen a lot of drops recently. Yep. Certainly this much or, or approximately, right? Yeah. And the day after that, October 16th, the Friday before Black Monday, saw a devastating 5% loss in the London stock markets that ominously coincided with the Great Storm of 1987, an unprecedented severe weather phenomenon that produced hurricane-force winds in the English Channel and resulted in nearly two dozen fatalities. Sound familiar? It does sound a lot. It does sound like there's some striking similarities to what's going on today. Right. On the Monday morning crash... The crash started in Hong Kong. The crash continued throughout all of Asia and all during the Asian trading session. As other markets began to feel the, quote, aftershocks, end quote, of the initial crash, the market carnage continued spreading throughout Europe when the London market session opened. By the time the U.S. stock markets opened, stocks were virtually in a freefall. By the end of the day, the Dow Jones Industrial Average had dropped more than 500 points and the S&P 500 more than, 500 more than 55 points. So. I guess I guess the interesting thing here to think about is this particular crash was caused by a couple different things. One, uh, a bull market due for a correction. Yeah. We are in a bull market that is arguably due for a correction and undergoing one. Yeah, undergoing a correction. Okay. Exactly. There was a computerized or, quote, program trading. There's a lot of that today. We saw some of that contribute to what we know as the Great Recession. Mm-hmm. And some of the trading that was happening way, way faster, particularly with synthetic mortgage-backed securities in the secondary market. Right. But number three was portfolio insurance. It was a third factor in the crash, which effectively was a new phenomenon at the time, like the computerized trading. But portfolio insurance involved large institutional investors partially hedging their stock portfolios by taking short positions in the S&P 500 futures. Mm-hmm. I guarantee you there's a lot of people doing that right now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So these things sounds so simple and normalized in every day yeah that they contributed to this crash there and i hate the word crash because it's one of those nebulous overbroad terms that can mean anything mm-hmm. but there's a real possibility that something like this could happen in the markets yeah yeah absolutely i mean so i i did some reading some digging as well it's, it's funny you bring this up now because is it funny it's funny the s p 500 this year is down more than 20 percent for the year yeah so although we are experiencing some gains on certain weeks and it's really a trend that's going down. That's normal. When you look at a chart, like an investment chart, that's what happens, right? Little peaks up, little peaks down, but it's still trending down. When you zoom out far enough, it looks like it's going down. 20% down on the year and the NASDAQ 100's decline has topped 30%. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So oddly similar to what you said. Now that all happened in the span of, you said, a day? but uh, Well, effectively a week, but that, week, that one right? single day was that the one's, drop. Yeah. Exactly. So, I mean... Now they're trying. I know they said they've given up on the fact of like soft landing, right? And they're just they're just going for it. They're, they're aiming for that two percent target rate, and they don't know when, how long it's going to take to get there. But at what point do you do you think the Fed needs to? We I, we are predicting a uh, rate increase on the next meeting, and then another one after that. But at what point do they stop and just have to sit and wait and let these lagging indicators start to show themselves? I feel very awkward answering this question while you've been rubbing your knees like that. Why are you doing that? I got old man knees. Everyone knows. I got, these, I got these basketball knees. This is, yeah, this is, you're very like comforting yourself right now. This is just like a, this like a tor- I got torn meniscus. Like comfort man. mechanism yeah. for you or something? All that weight and bears on you or something? No. 
it's, yeah. it's, it's very, very weird. So I don't know. I don't know. What do you think about that? I mean, at what point do the, does the Fed have to just stop and wait and see? Because well, make- that's an argument that's going on right now all over the place. So that that's a very common argument you see on the television. On I mean, some very intelligent people are saying that they should stop right now. And I, God, I can't remember who it was. I saw it was super critical of the Fed saying that they used to be data driven. Now they're not data driven. It's like the wild, wild west. It was the the guy from Warden, who's who's always been kind of a, a bull, mm-hmm. uh, anyway, but economist. But th- you look, you can say that, but the data that they have to work with right now, yeah, suggests that it's not working. But then, so what we've brought up time and time again on the podcast has been if they continue to raise the rates, well, the revenue created by the IRS doesn't generate enough revenue to pay back their debts. Yeah, when the rates get too high. So what happens, and this is this is an honest question, like what happens when you can't service your own debts? For the record, would you tell me if it wasn't dishonest question? Yeah, yeah, I would tell you like it's as a rhetorical question, bro. Don't answer it. Oh, okay. Yeah, because I know you don't know. But I this don't. one I, I genuinely don't know. I maybe I don't know. You ever thought about that? Yeah. <laughs> no, you know everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought that's not true. Uh yeah, I have. And the Fed is not supposed to consider the implications to the government. Per se, and is they they need to look at Fed monetary policy and employment. Mm-hmm. So if they're having an adverse impact on the national debt and things of that nature, those are very very tertiary focuses for them. Yeah, but to answer the question, we've never gotten to the point where that's actually needed to be a consideration. Frankly, mm-hmm. even during the Volcker era, that wasn't something that was driving decision making. So I don't know that we've ever seen the answer to that question. At some point, it will become interesting but i would say before it gets to that point they will have to back off increasing interest rates and just hold the rates mm-hmm. exactly uh it certainly i think five percent as a fed target rate is where you you just gotta you gotta hold or, or plan to hold somewhere around five percent maybe a little bit more than that but anything farther than that and, and you're going into shutting down the economy territory under some some theories right but you know it, it, again we, we are in unprecedented times and we that's why that's what makes some of this podcast so fun and some of it's so difficult and i think that's why people listen is that some of this is pure speculation as much as we try to provide this unbiased opinion of what we think may or may not be happening some of the answers are simple we just don't know yeah we have to let it see how it plays out yeah so i mean yeah yeah mr sultry i'm trying to come for your very white voice (laughs) so i think there's a little bit of shock in that there's a bloomberg article that came out titled, Jay Powell Needs Investors to Lose Money. And then the subtitle, the, se- the second portion, portion here was, yes, that pain you're feeling is intentional. It makes the Federal Reserve's job easier. Right, yeah. Which is a bit of a mischaracterization. So I, I quoted uh, something from the article that I wanted to read. The Fed's principal policy lever is interest rates. When they go up, the value of future cash flows go down. We talked about this on a previous episode, the values of future cash flows of businesses. Right. Hurting assets from stocks and bonds to the housing and many currencies. So when Fed Chair Jerome Powell tells you he wants to reduce inflation by raising rates, a.k.a. tightening, he's telling you the central bank needs investors to lose money. The goal is for those losses to seep into the rest of the economy when capital investments and consumption decline. Slowing growth, demand, and ultimately inflation. That's not inaccurate. It, it's got a much more malicious, intense spin to it. But that is, in fact, what we've been preaching on the show. Yeah. The whole point of tightening monetary policy is that these things happen. The funny thing is, is the Fed doesn't come out on day one and say, hey, we're going to start monetary policy change here. We're going to go from quantitative easing to quantitative tightening. Yeah. We're going to start this tightening policy, which is increasing interest rates, pulling all this liquidity out of the market. And hey, America, expect your home values to go down a little bit. Hey, uh, expect unemployment to go up a little bit. Right. I'm really aiming for you to lose your job. Expect expect valuations. Don't point at me when you say that. Point at, <laughs> the, point at like the theoretical person. Why are you pointing over here? Point, point to the TV, man. <laughs> you know, but th- these things are supposed to happen. The, you know, companies are supposed to have less cash flow. Consumer spending is supposed to pull back. These are all the natural and likely and probable and consistently known outcomes of this. And yet, for some reason, we're all acting like this shit is new. Right. It's not new. And I don't know why. It'd be interesting to see if the Fed secretary would have came out during the first interest rate hike and say, hey, full disclosure, big ass asterisk, this happens. Yeah. Okay. 
And it's okay that it's going to happen because we have super strong, quote, labor markets right now relative to historic figures. Right. So we're going to see some corrections on both sides of the equation. Okay. We're going to bring inflation down, but that number has to go up to a healthy number. And frankly, we talked on the show before that a little bit of migration from employees and a higher unemployment rate is a good thing. Right. So, you know, but they don't, they don't, they don't talk about it that way. And most people don't have an economics class to understand that these things are the natural probable consequence. So when you get on the news and people are, you know, you have real estate agents saying that these things aren't going to happen. These things aren't going to happen. It just leaves you scratching your head saying like, okay, well, you know, if 40% of the all-in housing cost impact inflation and, you know, 32, 30, whatever the hell it is, the percent, 32, 33% is rent or rent equivalent, your actual housing costs. Right. You know that has to go down. It has to go down. Exactly. Right? So, but yet here we are, we act surprised and we have all these articles that come out where people are like, oh my God. And the, art, the article had this really weird picture of Jerome Powell like holding some kind yeah, of Yeah, I had a visual. And breaking, it was, he looked very angry. Like, I had I, a visual. Did, did he you, post you know this that, photo? You know that vintage photo of Uncle Sam wants you? It's like, I That's kind of what it looks like. I, I, I pictured Jerome Powell saying, <laughs> Jerome Powell wants you to lose your job. Wow, that's a yeah, good visual. That's a good visual. Feels a little racist too. What do you mean? Why? Why? Like, why are you bringing race Jerome into this? Kind of looks like Uncle don't, Sam. Don't, don't do this. He kind of does. Uh, Uncle Sam, don't do get, this why? one. Do don't. the next one. Is that, is that what you want me to do? <laughs> don't do this one. Anyway, we'll skip that. So I I ran across something from uh, Logan, the uh, economist over at Housing Wire, mm. and I like him a lot. I hope to have him on the show at some point. That would be nice. Uh, he posted this, and I thought this was really, really, really interesting. So in 2005, two out of five mortgages had adjustable rates. Mm. Less than two out of 100 in 2021 have adjustable rates. That makes me feel a lot better. <laughs> what, what, <laughs> why does that make you feel a lot better? Because if that was the problem back then, I, that problem isn't here now. But explain to people real quick that are listening that don't know what adjustable rate mortgages are. So adjustable rate mortgage is an ARM mortgage, right? You'll see them in a couple different variants. The most common variants where you have a pure adjustable, where you have an index plus margin pricing, and it'll usually reset every, call it six months. There's some technicalities on what the, the adjustments are, but generally speaking, every six months, you can get something that you do every quarter, and some of them annually. But mo- most people don't take an adjustable product. Right, it's, and it's, then when the rates shot up back in 2008 is when people started getting into trouble and defaulting. Yeah, there's also three, five, seven, and 10-year hybrids where your loan is fixed for three years, fixed for five years, seven years, or 10 years. And then it goes to an index plus margin pricing. So you might have a lower than market teaser rate for that three, five, or seven, or 10-year pricing. And the shorter the shorter one that you pick, so if you pick a, an adjustable or you pick a three-year, your rate's going to be lower than a seven or 10-year where the, the bank or lender is going out longer on in, you know under the, under the rates. But generally, when people are choosing this type of option, they're fully intending on refinancing this loan within that three, five, seven-year window. Um, if the rates, if they generally before it goes adjustable or at contemporaneous with it going adjustable, you refinance. Not like people getting into their single family home loans that they ultimately are just paying off for 30 years. And therein lies the problem with this particular market, which I've got a couple different theories on. I don't know that anybody's got the answers because again, unprecedented. Mm -hmm. So you're not going to see a lot of people list their properties to the frequency that we had historically because there isn't an adjustable rate coming due for most of them because a lot of them got super low interest rates for 30 years. Locking in, yep. Locking in. And because they're super low interest rates, they have no need to actually sell the property when they can, in theory, rent it out. The only way they would have to is if maybe they lost their job and they didn't have that savings. Well, and keep in mind, we're we're quantitative tightening. We have tightening economic policy. We're doing all these things. We know that companies are going to make less money. Right. So follow me here. Companies make less money. Companies don't have to be as competitive for jobs as they once did. Other companies are going out of business. There's bankruptcies and things that we're starting to see already in the economy. Hiring freezes. Hiring freezes at places like Meta, saying we need more efficiency out of employees. And you're seeing a lot of these challenges. You're going to start to see some of the benefits people came to command in places like the Valley, like in the tech sector. Mm -hmm. It got to a point where in order to compete with people like Facebook, you need to offer them all these fringe benefits. You need to offer them yoga studios on site and gyms and food and all these things. A lot of that's going to start to go away a little bit. Right. You know, not a little bit, a lot. Yeah. A lot of that's going to go away. And you're going to start to see these companies adjust what they have to offer to get top tier talent, mm-hmm. including salary. The days of these massive stock compensations. Right. They're, they're gone. They're, they're right. going. You're, they're going by the wayside. So right. these, the hiring, whole, these hiring bonuses too, I'm sure. Yeah. The hiring bonuses are probably going to scale back a little bit because you're going to need to be less competitive to get the top tier talent. And therein lies the challenge. So if, 
you have this market where people are reluctant to list because they have equity in their property right now. Right. They can refinance if they want to, or they have maybe have a home equity line of credit they can tap into, buy another place, rent their property out, maybe even cash flow. Mm-hmm. People are going to try to do that. And that's what you're seeing in the market right now. There's just not a lot of listings coming online, which is further feeding into this hole. There's not enough supply to meet the demand argument. Right. We still have the affordability challenge, and it's getting worse. Every single time rates go up. I think rates are north of 6% now and 6 point something or whatever. So yeah, last time we talked, it was 6.7. Yeah, 6.7%. And I haven't checked since then because I've been somewhat inundated with work. But so now you have this point where affordability is at a real low. Mm-hmm. Values are not coming down fast enough to meet that demand affordability issue. And people aren't listing as much, so supply is limited. And we're also in the season where people generally don't list as many properties going into the holiday. Right. Something's got to give here. And I wonder if the lagging indicator that is unemployment and wages will give first. Yeah. Causing there to be a correction. Right now, if you look at the metrics, there's no reason for there to be more than a 15 to 20% correction in most markets. Yeah. Which is big, but not big considering there's been a 45% increase in value in the last couple of years. Right. So I don't know. And I'm curious to see what everybody thinks about what's going to break first. What, what's going to be the catalyst here? What, what's going to be the thing that that drives the market values lower. Is it going to is is unemployment going to be a problem? Is is the lack of wages going to be a problem? Are people going to give up and start listing these properties? Are they? I mean, what's going to happen? I think unemployment is going to tick up early, you know, twenty twenty three. And housing, I can't see how people get into this market. The affordability is just out of control, man. I mean, you no, know, people just can't afford these homes. And why? Why would you? If if you've been if you've been able to hold off up until now. I mean, I don't see a market where you can jump in and afford any of this. Went right back to rubbing those knees. Yeah. Good. It's cold in here. Yeah, cool? AC now. <laughs> <laughs> One problem to another problem. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I was walking by the old uh, the old studio in the garage today, and I had like I had like a little bit of a moment where I was like, oh. Uh-huh. I remember being cramped in that space, sweating my ass off next to Saeed. Oh, uh, rubbing thighs. Rubbing thighs. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody ever knowing that we dressed like alike. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> those camo but, shorts no <laughs> no <laughs> man like camo shorts. no but i mean people are gonna start losing these jobs to some of this ai too oh i mean that's God. when the unemployment is gonna really start to take up from forbes robot fast food cook costs less than half a human worker and i got a quote from the article because it gave some numbers that i thought were interesting i mean we all knew this is inevitable we did, but I didn't think it was going to happen as fast. So for, to refresh, refresh everybody's recollection. Reflash. Reflash. <laughs> I had a lot of caffeine late, <laughs> you know, and it's been a long, long, yeah. stressful day. And God damn it, you're just so handsome. It's distracting. <laughs> That's the caffeine talking. That's the caffeine talking. Yeah. I did have a beer before you got here because we have a refrigerator now. So yeah. now I'm like, it's cold. Oh, I haven't even checked it out yet. Hey, you're a dick. You totally yeah. forgot what you walked I did. in. I was I like, did. I got this for you, man. <laughs> we have ice cubes. I totally forgot it was a long day. Yeah, I know. Uh, so. After California passes this new minimum wage fast food law, mm-hmm. I, I expected there to be more AI, more robotics, and you know human element to go down. But we said to everybody in that episode that we talked about that, that the natural and probable consequence here was there's going to be less jobs at these higher paying minimums for actual humans, and they're just going to replace them with technology. Ultimately, that's what's going to happen, yeah. I didn't expect before the law even goes into effect to start seeing articles like this from, I think it was Forbes, yeah, Forbes. Mm-hmm. Here's a quote. Nala Robotics has launched a fast food robot that it says can fry chicken wings, French fries, and other foods, season them, and plate them all autonomously. It's called The Wingman, (laughs) and it's available to rent for $2,999 a month. So $3,000 a month. Plus one for the name. Way better than what Chipotle has going on. What was that? Chipotle has, has an AI robot that they've already started to implement in some of their locations. Already? Yeah. I, I know like of at least, on a, on I know least one, right? No. So it's in the back. It's, it makes their chips, their tortilla chips, and they named it Chippy. Stop it. <laughs> I mean, it's not really. Do they have a meat? It's a, it's a thing. Yo, Chippy, these chips are messed up, man. Yeah, come on, Chippy. <laughs> fill the bags a little bit more. <laughs> come on, bro. Yeah, this, this bag half air. Come on. <laughs> Chippy and the wingman. <laughs> I like this model though. They, they they rent it out. They don't actually um, they don't actually sell it. It seems like. But can you three thousand dollars a month? Yeah. Wow. But it's doing like all the work, and it could work twenty four seven. I'm imagining. Yeah, it, right? sounds, like, it sounds so, like it's doing like one and a half. I mean, this thing literally it says it can fry chicken wings, French fries, and other foods, season them, and plate them all autonomously. Mm. So it's literally frying them, plating them, and seasoning them. Seasoning them. 
Seasoning. Seasoning. Yeah. You got to like, I mean, other than having somebody take it to the customer. Yeah. Let's plating it. I mean, you can't just turn around and hand it to the customer. I mean, you got to think we're getting to a point where it's going to put it on another robot. I mean, robots this has been going on for a while. I mean, I mean, how long ago was it when I remember walking into a, a bank and seeing there's no no teller line anymore? There's just... Oh, yeah. When I first saw Chase, I was very weirded out by it. The lady's like, walk walk this right right this way, sir. And you walk up and they're like, all right, here's your machine. I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, I, I'm like, nah, man, I want, I want the human line. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'm like, no, no, I got to deposit cash. Yeah, it'll take cash. You're like, have you been in the Citibank cafes? No. Have you seen it? You know what I'm talking about? I've seen the commercials for them. So there's one in the Irvine. Capital, Capital, Capital One. Capital One. Yeah, no, yeah, Citibank yeah. has one too, right? Yeah, maybe. I don't, I don't know. Maybe Capital One. I, there's one on whatever the hell they are at the Irvine Spectrum. And it's like a big ass location. It's a former Forever 21 location. Oh, wow. That's, that's yeah. where I used to shop. Yeah, yeah, of course. Because I can't fit in anything they, yeah. <laughs> that they have there. But <laughs> <laughs> I only got fitted for four new suits. Yeah. It was so embarrassing. First of all, like, you can't go get fitted for suits. <laughs> And not explain why you need to get new measurements. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right? exactly. So we're in there. You can't say you lost weight because they're gonna be like, "This is what you cut down to." No, they'd have my old measurements. Oh, because I the ordered same a lot place. of suits. Oh. Yeah, it's the same place. Like I'm not. <laughs> I mean, I'm not stupid enough to go to some place new, right? Like I gotta go. So I go to the same place, and he's like, "Hey, man, like you got measurements on file? You sure you want to just order?" I'm like, "Nah, dog. Those those aren't gonna fit me no more, bro." Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So then what happened? So he comes over with a pair of pants, and I'm like, "We should probably measure first. He's like, "No, no, we'll start with your old size." And I'm like, "I really don't want to do that." That's the most uncomfortable he, thing. I couldn't get him on my thighs, dude. That's the <laughs> and then and then to make me feel better, he says the most awesome compliment. This <laughs> he's like, "Hey, man, it's all good. It's happened to a lot of people since the pandemic." Oh, I'm like, I'm on TRT, man. <laughs> it's happened to a lot. This of is people. meat. This hey, is muscle. Man, yeah, yeah. The, the worst part would be, but hey, man, just get out there and just get some more steps in. If he starts giving you fitness advice, no, he didn't do that. But what he kept doing is he kept going like, "Wow." What? What? what because is my size went up. He, and he, he would be like, "Wow, you've added a lot of weight." Like, I went from a forty-two long to like over a forty-four. I'm almost he, a forty-six. And he's like, "Wow." He couldn't say, he couldn't say like, "Wow, you put on some muscle, man." Come no, on. No, he didn't say muscle once. He, he, saying, he just he kept saying weight. Why are you so soft? Yeah. And he's, yeah. He's like, "Can you lift your shirt up so I can do your stomach?" And I'm like, "No, no, <laughs> just do it around the shirt. <laughs> just do it around the shirt. I need I need the room." <laughs> Man, leave me alone. Yeah, the only the only part about it that I felt good was picking out the material. Yeah, yeah. And then I spent like a disproportionate amount of time, and I can see him in the background going like, "Why are you spending those time on a fatty? You have to come back here and get new suits anyway when you bulk <laughs> up again." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if this is the skinny you, you're fucked. Yeah. Like he didn't say it, but yeah, I, yeah, I know yeah, he was yeah, thinking yeah. it. It was very very awkward. I've been was... telling myself for some time now, like I need to go get measured for suits, but not, I need to lose weight first. I keep pushing it out. Dude, I did that for almost two years now. <laughs> it's, it's been almost two years. <laughs> Enough's enough. Yeah, it's enough, it's enough. I have to start wearing suits to work again. And I know this is probably going to go against the grain of corporate culture right now. Yeah, you were the guy that was one of the first to go against that for a long time. I know, but I don't I don't like it. So for those of you listening, I was very, very much, I, I liked my suits. It was part of, you know, your work attire is what you have to wear. Right, right. Business casual, but I always wore that anyway. And I was one of the first proponents of going casual for the employees and for what I thought was myself. But I got to be honest, I kind of like the suit still. Yeah. Well, you, you, I mean, you personally like it because it feels good and you can express some form of style. I mean, you're not wearing a plain black suit or a plain blue suit. No, no. I, I, yeah. In fact, I don't. So the Italians have a saying that black suits are for weddings and for funerals. Mm-hmm. I genuinely believe that. You'll, you'll never catch me wearing a black suit to the office. Yeah. But I will wear like black pants with like a sport coat or something like that. Or yeah, something, yeah, yeah, something yeah, that, yeah. If I'm like, mix it up. To make, mix it up. But I will not wear a black suit unless yeah. I'm going to a wedding or a funeral. Yeah. I remember a time it was, it was like maybe six, seven years ago when we were wearing suits to the office and uh, my wife was making those lapel flowers. Yeah, so, yeah. Those were fun. She should have kept with that, man. You'd probably be millionaires right now. Yeah, yeah. I don't know about that. I messed that up. Yeah. I messed that up. Maybe we'll bring it back. No, you won't. Maybe. You're, ain't nobody got time for that. Yeah, that's true. Besides, you don't wear suits anymore. Yeah. I don't need to. I know. Yeah, you work from home. You can wear a suit and work from home? Yeah. My, my son looking at me like, I'm going to tell him, Adam, I, I, can't, I can't help you right now. I, I have work to do. He's looking at me like, you don't look like you're working. There's something to be said for for getting dressed and looking like you're working. Yeah, yeah. Except you can't walk through a mall these days because everybody thinks you work there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Excuse me, sir. Uh, where's the directory? Yeah. Yeah, I don't. I don't work here. I'm a banker. No, no. Seriously, where's the directory? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> ah, it's funny. Yeah. 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 yeah exactly. <laughs> I was I was getting fitted on a Sunday. You look and, like you eat at that pretzel place. Yeah. <laughs> I do, <laughs> and I like them. Yeah. Yeah. Get more salt. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> you see that uh, robot that Elon Musk rolled out that looks nothing like the, the Dude, the I, I saw that. I mean, so every company has this thing. So we were also at the OC Auto Show uh, this past weekend. Speaking of which, what, where, where's my invite, guy? What do you mean? What invite? I just went. I got. I, I it was on the calendar. I just show up. I, I don't no, make any don't of the put plans. This on bro. your wife. Your wife did it's, not book that. You booked no, that. No, this, this is my. This is my wife's doing. Your wife wanted to go to the auto could, show. Yeah, because I'm going to take all the kids to the auto show. I sent you a photo. We went with kids. I didn't get to look at one car. Wait, was the wife there when you went? Yes, the wife. And Why did she want to the kids the auto show? The kids like cars. No, it was just a new thing. Just you know, show them something new. They never seen it before. Why not? So we take them there, huh. and I don't get to look at one car. I'm just monitoring the kids all the time. Anyways, we're going around, and I see Ford as a robot standing there talking to everybody. Like an actual like moving robot? Yeah, or an actual like moving robot on the stage looking at people making... Damn, they even got rid of the presenter girls? <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know about presenter they used to have, girls. Like, no, this sounds terribly chauvinist. They used to have these girls that were there that were like trained up on the cars, could answer questions. Oh, not, 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 I'm talking like, you know... Ram, like, Dodge, Dodge still had that. Yeah, so they usually have somebody there. Every once in a while, you'll see like a guy there, somebody, but generally they're women, and they usually know a ton about the cars, and they answer questions, and they're oh, really like bubbly. Well, and, we were we were talking amongst ourselves. They're like, "Man, she's talking, and no one is listening. How awkward is that? She's oh, just I've talking." Seen, I've never seen them do yeah. that. They yeah, usually yeah. they usually just sit there, like kind of like do laps from the car and yeah. answer questions as they come up. They were actually giving like a speech, and no one was they're, there. Give, yeah, speech, giving a full rundown of all the. You buzz. know that job's gonna be gone, <laughs> <laughs> Jerome Powell. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, thanks, Jerome. Yeah, um, but. So Ford has one, and now you're, and then there was that, you know, one for Tesla too. So yeah, Elon Musk rolls it out, but and then the funny thing about Elon Musk that bothers me a lot when these prototypes roll out, like they did this with the Cybertruck too, right? Yeah, Cybertruck rolls out. This is the Cybertruck. That's not the production model. Oh yeah, yeah right. Right. So they they gave us a picture the first time they they showed this robot. Mm-hmm. But that that's not the model they're working with. As a matter of fact, when they rolled out on stage, had all these wires hanging out, didn't look anywhere near the streamline. I mean, I guess the head did, but then they show like these prototypes in pictures that they that had all they were all over the internet, and I'm like, bro, this doesn't look anything like. So I didn't even get a chance to really go too deep into the article. Are they selling this robot for what? Just as like a, a toy? Multiple. I mean, it's it's kind of like the Tesla, the trucks, the big you know trucks that could be used for multiple purposes. You know, to you know have humans not do you know consistent labor or something right he didn't really give a specific example of like what they're going to be exactly used for but i think the idea is it can be used for any any of the the restaurants that we talked about yeah it can be used for any of these repetitive tasks so you know it's just it's what tesla does right like you're i'm giving you a robot the same way i give you the car and you can use it in whatever capacity you want man so between this one so he's actually naming his optimus who is tesla is he really yeah elon elon musk they're naming optimus humanoid robot I didn't know that. Right. So between Optimus. So you, this is an Optimus Prime reference. We talk about assuming, Transformers. Yeah. So Optimus. turns into a Tesla truck, I'm in. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm still. Hey, yeah, everyone, 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 I want my Tesla truck, bro. I wanted yeah. it like three years ago. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Would you get, so would you lose out on your deposit for Rivian for your Cybertruck? So all the re- deposits are refundable except Rivian got smart. So when the new, uh, was it the Inflation Reduction Act that came out? Of that? Yeah. I think it was Inflation yeah, Reduction yeah, Act. With the EV charge. Yeah. Charged. EV cars. Yeah. So the older incentive was better than the newer one from the Inflation Reduction Act. But in order to get the old credit, you had to be locked into a non-refundable, uh, a non-refundable deposit. So what Rivian did was they sent everybody who pre-ordered one out saying, we can take $100 of your $1,000 deposit and make it non-refundable and give you a contract which says you officially are bought, buying the vehicle. Mm-hmm. Then you have $100 that's non-refundable. You can't get it back. You can get $900 back. But then you qualify for the original credit. So here's my question. Which one would you still want, Cybertruck or the Rivian? Man, so I haven't seen a production driving Cybertruck, right? So I don't really know what I'm missing out on. I mean, you would think that it's going to have some cool features and, and have some stuff, but I've seen a lot of Rivians. I'm in Irvine. You could throw R- a Rivians. rock at the window and it'll break. <laughs> <laughs> that was a terrible, terrible. I mean, <laughs> oh, can you imagine how how embarrassing that would have been? I don't I think he's so awkward, Elon Musk. I don't think he cared. I think he was just like, ha ha ha. It broke. Yeah, like, just, I, don't, I don't think he. Yeah, he just doesn't understand social cues. So I actually just like, watched oh. that event live, and I was like, "What the shit just happened?" Yeah, wait, wait, was that supposed to happen? Yeah, I, yeah, I watched it live, and I was like, "Oh, that's crazy." That was the last one I watched live, by the way. Right, but I see Rivians around here all the time because their headquarters in Irvine. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, they're, that's what they're, they're like. Literally all over my neighborhood. So I see them probably more than most people do, just because they're like close proximity. Mm-hmm. And I love the way they look. I know they're the wor- they're working on a fleet of cars for Amazon, right? A lot of yeah, they, they have a contract. Trucks. Yeah, they have a contract with them, but they haven't been able to produce on that. That's what I've been kind of waiting on to see. Yeah, those those, those look pretty cool. That you can actually see them in the. They have like uh, production photos of them. They have this giant uh, solar kind of. It's not like a 
garage, but it's an open kind of deck thing with the solar panels on top. Yeah. And all the cars are parked underneath. It's technically outside still. And it's pretty interesting to see them out there. Like they have a lot of them that are already built. I don't know if they're going to start delivering them sooner what the deal is. Wow. So those are pretty cool. But I, I would probably take the Rivian. I mean, it's probably, it's my, so I'm supposed to get an update on my delivery by the end of this month. They'll give me an actual like date. Yeah. I remember seeing my first one on the freeway, just seeing it come up from behind me. And this is back when I didn't even know what Rivian was. It was coming up behind me and I was like, what the fuck is this? I had to slow down on the freeway just to let it pass me so I could see what it was. Oh, I do that a lot. Yeah, it's really cool. Yeah, I do that a lot. I like, I like the Rivian to stock them. Yeah. Although I don't like the SUV. The booty looks too big. You might like it though. <laughs> the booty, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's fitting. Like, yeah, it's fitting for you. It's, yeah. got, it's too big in the rear. Yeah. <laughs> you know how that is. Yeah. Right? I mean, you yeah. know. Come on. <laughs> don't do that. What? Do what? Don't, don't act like you don't got a, a no, wide you, booty. You got more kids than me, man. Yeah, what are you talking what, about? What, is that, what does that mean? Oh, this is about you. No, uh, no, 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 no. It's about kids, man. You need uh, more space. Oh, I see. I got it. one. You got oh, two. Oh, I see, I see, I see, I see. I yeah. saw what you did there. Nice. I mean, clearly, there's a subconscious issue here. Yeah, you want to talk about it? Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. Not like you do. Not the podcast. All right. I got something to play for you. You got something to play for me? Technically, the audience, but I'm acting like it's for you. Okay. And I want to play it because it's an interesting take that I don't know is really backed with data, but we're going to try it anyway. Uh, and I want to hear how you react. Uh-oh. Are you ready? Okay. Are you sure you're ready? Yes, sir. Ah, uh, the sultry voice comes out. <laughs> All right, here you go. Billions of people think that the housing market's about to crash. How do we know? We can look at Google Trends data. The search term, real estate market crash, is up 284% as of September of this year. That's the highest volume that we've ever seen in Google search history. If millions of people think the market's going to crash, I'm not sure you want to bet against them. <laughs> so? <laughs> okay. I mean, it's not terrible logic, but... Well, I mean, it just goes to that consumer sentiment report. But do you think the market's going to, quote, crash? Again, a nebulous term we hate. We don't ever use it, but yeah, I mean, a, a crash is anything that goes below 20% is what we above said. Above right? 20% uh, in uh, correction. Yeah, that right. like goes above 20%. Look, I hate, the term, I hate the term crash, but that being said, I mean, there, there's some value in what he's trying to say. So we actually didn't get to talk about this as much in the last one. I know we touched on PCE a little bit. Core inflation. Core inflation. Excludes food and energy going up. Food and energy, and that's what the Fed likes to look at when making their decisions, right? Um, but on September 30th, the University of Michigan Consumer Sentiment Report also came out that we briefly touched on. But in there, I did some digging on the report too, and there was an interesting quote. They said, quote, trends are consistent with a recession to come, especially with conditions overseas generating further downside risks to the economy. And that that's kind of why I referenced the Black Monday situation. Yeah. Right. Th those, those conditions overseas are, I really do think we have some risk on October 19th. I don't, I don't know why. I just, I, I don't really have anything tangible to point to that day, but because of what we've seen historically, and we've always long said that October will be a very pivotal month for what we know is happening. Yeah. Uh, and you're starting to see some movement that obviously some of which in the wrong way. I look at all this stuff and I think to myself that there, there is some truth to a lot of these things that's, that's happening. But what I'll, I'll, I'll say is interesting to me is that we started to see some dramatic changes, or at least what we felt. The rhetoric picked up and everybody was saying, has inflation peaked? Mm. I listened to the All In podcast while I was working out a couple of days ago and, and Chamath and those guys were talking about, now's the time to buy. Your tailor doesn't think you work out. Moment <sighs> of silence. <laughs> I got nothing. I got nothing. I got to own that. <laughs> like, it's just, I got to own that. I mean, Sorry, it was too easy. It was a lot. It was a lot. It was a lot. And the worst part about it is, is he's telling me the measurements and he's going like, oh, wow. <laughs> In my head, I'm going, damn it. <laughs> damn, <laughs> damn it. Damn it. I know what those numbers used to be. Bro, and the pants he wound up putting on me were so big. Yeah. He's oh. like, we need something that's big enough so that you don't have this, your pockets flaring out like this because your butt's so big. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We need and I was like... <laughs> You mean you mean muscular? And he he's, goes. He's, he goes thinking, yeah. he's like, I think for you, we need to bring back pleats. Yeah, we're gonna have to upcharge you for material. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> this, this is more than we contemplated when we gave you the suit price. <laughs> okay, sorry. You're saying you're so, working yeah. out to the All In podcast. I'm working out the All In podcast and Chamath and those guys. And I love the optimism because I want to get to the point in the show and the economy where we're talking about buy now, buy now's yeah, the time, positive, buy. Positive, yeah. yeah. But we don't really have a lot of factors that are pointing to that. And I think everybody got so happy after inflation went down a little tiny bit, largely because oil had come down off of, frankly, them overcharging. Yeah. You know, oil and energy prices had come down. And now we're in the situation where 
that what we thought was a trend was not a trend, and it's clearly obvious because numbers are going the wrong way. Yeah, you have this Fed meeting with they obviously spoke about this being a concern, and you know if they're heading the right direction. I, I think it's too early to be optimistic. I think, frankly, we have this natural human human tendency to to want to hope for the bottom, mm -hmm. and there there's certainly a, a quicker correction in the markets in this in the stock market than there is in the real estate market, but. I don't think we're there yet. I don't think we've, I, uh, we've talked about it before and we'll say it again. I don't think we've peaked yet with, inf with inflation yet. So you think inflation is going to go up? I do. For how many quarters? Two, three? At least two more. At least two more. Wow. Going out to Q1? Yeah. I do, man. I really, really do. Because I don't, I don't, consumer sentiment isn't where it should be. Are you speaking about core inflation or CPI? Oh, I think they're both going to continue to trend up. I think you'll see CPI pull back a little bit or level out, but you'll certainly see core inflation go up. Core inflation go up, right? And then, it, I mean, so they've been banking on the fact that, you know, it's peaked already and now we're headed back down. But clearly what we're seeing on all these reports is that it's going the wrong way. Yeah. And, and look, even if it does come down, you're not talking substantial. This will be fodder for the election. There'll be fodder for all these things to talk about. Have you seen Biden recently in some of the stuff that's been shown on television? Like how he walked off the wrong way and... No. And Kamala Harris referenced somebody. Uh, she referenced North Korea. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You told me about this. And then Biden yeah. referenced somebody who'd passed away and asked where she was. Yeah. Oh, at no. her, at her There's some bizarre stuff going on. I'm like, like, first of all, shame on the media for this being like the thing you're talking about. Right. Shame on you. There's plenty of stuff to talk yeah. about. Yeah. The, I mean, there's so much going on in the world. This is not, this is not it. But then at the same time, I'm sitting here thinking to myself, like, I know you're supposed to read from something. Right. But, Damn, like discretion, man. Yeah, a little bit, right? Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, who knows? Who knows what's going on over there? And that's not for us to dissect, and we're not going to get political because it'd be too easy. But um, I mean, you're not going to get political again because I never get political. Yeah. You always bring up the politics. I, I, I do. Well, I, I brought up circumstances related to politics. It's, yeah. not, it's not political. Right, right. I didn't say exactly. I voted for and then, uh, you know, said a name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you'll never know. You'll never know. You'll never get these best cryptocurrencies for you to buy <laughs> right here in the podcast. Speaking of which, uh, if you're listening to the show and you've been listening for a while, I hope you've been enjoying the newly added resources section to the bottom of the show notes. If you uh, happen to be on your Apple device, you can go to the bottom of Apple Podcasts, for example. If you're in Spotify, you can also go to the bottom of the show notes there. And there's links to all the articles we referenced in this show there. You will also start sending out that aforementioned newsletter. Uh, I want to say next week or so. I have to finish up some of the design element. Oh, we got, do we have people signing up for the newsletter? Yeah, there are people who signed up already. Actually, somebody recently at the last show after we referenced it signed up. Uh, so you can get all the 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 links that we're looking at. Uh, yeah, Chris harasses time. me for those links. I do harass you it's, for those links. Yeah, I do make sure that yeah, you it's not real them. unless you have the links. I eat them like, okay. It, yeah, I don't trust any of the links or anything you talk about unless you provide a source. Yeah, yeah, I like that. So I was going to end the show around the normal mark. Okay. But I had something I want to talk to you about that I didn't tell you I want to talk about. Okay. So, I have fallen under a little bit of criticism for social media, the podcast, and everything else by people that I think are a little bit older in their, in their way of doing things. Mm -hmm. And I know that sometimes we can be sarcastic on the show. Sometimes. Thickness. Yeah. But, um, I don't know. Do you think that anything that we do here, I mean, I, granted, we provide an entertainment value, but do you think that anything that we do here is bad for a brand? No. No. I, I feel like what we're doing is providing a good service. I mean, the ratings speak for themselves. Yeah, you know. <laughs> you know. But there's not, good. There aren't enough of them, though, so, you know. But, uh, <laughs> but... No, I feel like we provide a, a really good service to people that is um, appreciated, and we do it with a certain level of integrity. And well, we're donating we're donating time away from our families to do this, so we want to make sure we do it right. And we provide links and sources, and I get all that. But mm -hmm. I guess in this day and age, where the media is what it is, and there's a tremendous amount of bias, mm -hmm. can we truly be unbiased and just provide information without being like a news reporting agency? I mean. I guess my question to you, the audience, and, and to everybody else, and us and ourselves is, can we continue to keep this authentic and real, have a good time while being educational, educational, educational yeah. oh, and, yeah. and valuable enough right. to want people to come back for? Right. You know, I, 
I feel like we we try to present both sides. And actually, there's actually a show that I uh, I really like watching and listening to. Um, I really like the way they handle it. Um, it's called Breaking Points. Two reporters that came from the Hill. Actually, uh, Rogan put me on them. Right? It's really cool the way they structure their show. There's the girl is very liberal and the oh the dude yeah 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 I've, I've seen this I've seen these guys before and and the and the gentleman is uh, more conservative yeah. and what they do is they attack their own parties. Why were they on Rogan? Just because Rogan loves their loves their content the way they present content he feels they're very unbiased and that's how I got put onto them. I started listening to them from, to get all you know my political news or and whatnot and I just really like their approach. You know it makes it comes off more trustworthy and they had certain level of integrity and. I would love to carry that over, you know, onto our show and try to present from both sides. As of right now, it's like you said, I can't wait for us to get to a point where we can start talking about more positive things. But as of right now, we have to predict what we what we know and what we see. And my weight isn't getting better, so you can't you can't rely on that as I can't predict I can't predict your weight to get any better, right? That's see my belly button. That is right. It's also doom and gloom. (laughs) It's not a good situation. I don't know, but how do you feel about it? Do you feel like we provide a good service for everybody? And I I feel like we try to. I, you know, it's interesting to me that you can't make everybody happy, right? And I think the old way of doing things is you jump into what it is that you do, and you you become um, a master of your craft or so, and then you don't do these extra superfluous things in the evening or or whatever. But I think that there's value in in a lesson for everybody else in this, in that it's we practice what we preach on the show when, mm-hmm. when we say things like it's not just your nine to five, it's your five to nine. This is one of our five to nines, mm-hmm. giving up time with their family to do it, giving up a lot of value there. And I think it's easy for people to overlook this show as a a grab for fame or a grab for notoriety. That's not how this started. Right. This started as a way to give back and provide value because we both got tired of seeing a lot of people say things on, on television, on the internet that had a biasness. And that simply weren't true. Right. Bias, not biasness. Damn it. Yeah. You, damn had, it. you had a good opportunity. Yeah. To yeah. So it's, it happens so frequently My language today is terrible. It's yeah. trash. Yeah. It's um, not good. I feel like you're downplaying to your audience, to me listening to you talk. So you're just like, Oh, hey, I'll just talk like him. But <laughs> But something that you, something that you you didn't mention that I, I know you're too modest to mention, and I'll go ahead and mention. Oh, don't it. do this! Don't I'll go. No, no, stop. I'll, I'll go ahead. Show. I'll stop. go. I'll no, go no, ahead no. and mention it for stop. you. Damn it! We're not doing things the old way. I specifically said not to do that. Yeah, you specifically said not to do that. But Chris just won an award from the LA Times, right? Uh, yeah. The LA Times for being one of Orange County's visionaries. So tell and, me, explain what say the exact the exact award. Uh, they have a banking and finance. So I think they're trying to compete with some of the regional periodicals like the Orange County Business Journal and stuff like that. But basically, they, the LA Times put out a visionaries list by sector and banking and finance is one of the sectors. And they nominated like, um, I want to say like 10 or 12 people. I'm sorry, not nominated. They nominated a lot of people and then there was like uh, 10 to 12 like quote honorees or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I was one of the people who won the honoree uh, for it. Uh, for specifically what? Uh, well, it seems... It's, it's they don't so i this isn't one of those awards where you like you know submit yourself for and then you win it like they picked me on their own they, they found did, you they did, on, they did your it own. on their own so i have i really didn't have any input in it and they, they kind of took my bio and they kind of mashed it up a little bit and they took a really i don't know who like colored the photo or why it came out like, i looked tan <laughs> as shit in the photo like you just came back from hawaii and for the record that that wasn't a new photo that's an old photo for some reason that makes yeah. me look super tan but it's also appropriate because right. i just got back right. from hawaii yeah when you fit into one of your yeah i was suit. waiting for somebody to make jokes and, sh- and shame on you for not doing that yeah, yeah i yeah, sent yeah, it to you, yeah, yeah. you think- I'm, I'm gonna let you have this day and i'll come back to you tomorrow for you tomorrow because yeah, it, yeah. it looks it looks a little <laughs> photoshop i'm just calling it what it is but uh so i don't really know a whole lot but i actually asked and the irony is, despite the frustrations that some people have, I had a very prominent attorney, I think I told you this before, I don't know sure we discussed in the show, who was bad-mouthing me behind my back saying, what is Chris doing in this podcast? Why would he do this? Why is he damaging his reputation? Mm-hmm. And I called him to the carpet on it, and I was very pointed, and he still didn't understand it. And he's a nice guy. He, you know, he just comes from a different generation, different school of thought. And then I get an award like this because of things like the podcast. Right. Because, because of your social media presence. Because you, people don't generally have access to their bankers like this. Like the last episode that we did, mm-hmm. the commercial real estate episode, I've had multiple people reach out to me. And I think I've sent you a couple of them. 
saying, that was great. I, I could hear from an underwriter. I never get to talk to the underwriter. I, I could hear the thoughts about it. And you're, you're, you're sitting here saying to yourself, like, how can people not like or not think that what we're doing adds value to, to a company or adds right. value to the brand or adds value to the things like that? And we don't generally reference the, the, the company that, that we work for and the things that we do here. But it's just shocking to me to see that people are so afraid of new ways of doing things. Mm -hmm. They're so, I, I, get, I get that everybody doesn't want to be in front of a camera. Everybody doesn't want to be in front of a microphone. But the lesson here for most people is, is sometimes you have to take the risk or take the, the initiative to, to do something unconventional to get unconventional results. Right. But if, how much of a risk is it truly, if we're being authentic and we're providing a good service to people, especially to my man, Tyler Bishop. Shout out to Tyler Bishop. Tyler Bishop was, was a G. Yeah, yeah. Tyler Bishop gave... Uh, Go ahead, read your Yeah, him and, I, him and I have just become best friends. Yeah. <laughs> right? I, Tyler, I'm sorry, bro. I sent it to Saeed. You know, he doesn't have social media. I don't, I don't have social media. Social so, media might be coming soon for everybody, just so I can help out with the show, promote the show a little bit more. But great episode. I appreciate the context of Saeed's day-to-day -day commercial real estate. Pass along my thanks since he doesn't have any socials. I appreciate you, Tyler. I, uh, I thought about Photoshopping and editing it <laughs> <laughs> and saying, his voice is not as sultry, though. Yeah. <laughs> <You know>? yeah. <laughs> like, I saw a photo of him on your page. I know. I now understand why he doesn't have social media. I was yeah, going to uh, add it. So, <laughs> because there's been a lot of positive going your too way. Much, too much positive. Not a lot of positive going my way. But yeah, Tyler, Tyler was really cool about that. And we, we had a, a brief exchange. But look, you know, I, it's just perspective. And I think that that's, that's one of the things that there's a thin line between being creative and doing something positive and just doing it for other reasons. Yeah. It's difficult to really tell. And sometimes you can be wrong. Sometimes you can not understand it. So I, I hope that we're doing the right thing. I hope that people walk away from this and feel that it's something that, that enriches their lives and provides value. And if you don't, uh, leave a five-star review anyway. You leave a five-star review. On, and, honest five-star review. And when you, get, when you get on that uh, fake stage and you accept your award, you make sure you know who to thank first. What, fake stage. Yeah, come on, man. You're gonna get on stage. You're gonna get the award. I like to thank my co-host. No, there's no award. You just get a yeah, picture of yeah, the well, magazine. Yeah, well, we can stage it here at the studio. Oh, we're gonna we can actually do like a fake like. Yeah, we can do. It. We got a we got a green screen. We could do some. We really could. We should probably start using that. Yeah, that'll be yeah. fun. Actually, putting, putting up a green green screen in the office and not using it. It's for aesthetic purposes, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> it makes it look like we do real work here. Yeah, yeah. people come in like, wow, these so guys, our, these guys really get up. after when it. When our wives show up, look, baby, we have all the stuff here because we work. Yeah, I mean, you might not see it, but we, we we're working here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, meanwhile, yo, MTV raps on the background. We got alcohol. <laughs> it's in the really background. hard. It's really hard to keep a straight face. I have to turn. I have to tell Chris to turn off the TV tonight because <laughs> I can't keep a straight face. We've got yo, do, MTV playing in the background. I can't do one more Nicki Minaj video. In the background. It's terrible. These are, these are ridiculous. Yeah. Like, what if, how much money? How much money are the labels spending on these music videos? Like, I don't know who watches them anymore, but you know, shout out to you for spending that money, though. Yeah. <laughs> All right. We we should call it a wrap. I've got to show uh, Saeed our our new refrigerator and ice cube maker. Yeah, I'm excited. Uh, <laughs> so we can not drink alcohol and go home like responsible right. husbands. We are. To our we are wives. responsible. We love you guys. Yeah. I love my wife. All of you. I love my Sorry, wife. You love your wife a lot. Too? A lot. Yeah. I a would, lot. I would never drink alcohol and come home somewhat intoxicated from a yeah. podcast. Never. No. I would come home sober. Yes. I did not have a good time there. It was work. Yeah. yeah I did not have a good time drinking here either. I mean, yeah. I mean, I mean maybe uh, drinking. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> All right, friends. We will not see you next week. We will see you next episode. Good night, everybody. That's very slow. Good night, everybody. Yeah. Good night, everybody. Sultry. A little more sultry. One more time. Good night, everybody. That was terrible. I hope you enjoyed today's conversation on the Higher Standard Podcast. Make sure to hit subscribe or follow on whatever platform you were listening to this on. If you like this episode, please write a review and share it with us. You're getting the show up and running right now, so every message, every review, and every note counts. This show exists to showcase what's possible when leaders decide to uphold a higher standard for their businesses, their investments, their families, and most importantly, themselves. If you want to see more of my content, I post daily on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. So be sure to follow me on your favorite social media platform. And with that, it is a wrap. And as always, I look forward to hanging with you all on the next episode.